Well, good morning, New Hope. Glad that you're here this morning on this great day where we continue in our series called Foolproof Your Life. If you're listening on live stream, welcome as well. And I pray that this morning you are challenged by the Holy Spirit of Jesus who lives in us and goes with us wherever we go. So what is this? What is this? It's a turkey call. It's a turkey call, right? Or you've heard duck calls. What is this? It's a fishing lure. Hey, good job, class. Nice. Good job. Yeah. It's a fishing lure, right? What's the idea of this? It's the idea that, hey, sounds like a hen. And the jake or the gobbler is attracted to the hen. Hey, potential date, right? Whatever. That kind of thing. The lures designed to throw in the water and to pretend that it is a fish to be eaten. The definition of lure is this to what? Tempt. To tempt. Whether a human or an animal, it says in the definition, to do something or to go somewhere especially by offering some form of reward. Some form of reward. Here's some synonyms for the word lure. Tempt, entice, attract, induce, coax, allure, seduce, ensnare, and then decoy. Decoy, right? A decoy is not what it appears. It is a fake. Proverbs 7.22 says this. All at once, he followed her like an ox, going to the slaughter, stepping in, to a noose. What is the writer of Proverbs describing here? He's describing an adulterous relationship. Describing a man or woman who is led away by the lure, the sound whatever it might be, into an adulterous relationship, into a sexual relationship outside of the marriage relationship, period. Proverbs 6.32 says this, but a man who commits adultery has no sense. Whoever does so destroys himself. And we understand that it's also herself, as well. And we understand that it just isn't the individual, but that there's shrapnel that goes out all around the person who steps into an adulterous relationship or cheating relationship that impacts all kinds of other people around them and life situations. All kinds of shrapnel. 
And so this morning, I want to look at the whole idea of foolproofing your marriage. But first off, we are going to look at the problem when it comes to adultery or cheating in marriage, or even if you're in a dating or engagement relationship, right? What is the reality of adultery or cheating today? It's really hard to get a statistic. It's really hard to say, well, you know, it's 20% men, it's 17% women, it's this or that or like, you know, why is that? Well, raise your hand in here if you've ever cheated on your spouse or been in an adulterous relationship. Just raise your hand. You know, I mean, I mean that's where it's like, you know, who's going to want to admit that, right? You know, hey. <laughs> no, it's really hard to get statistics on it. But there's another way to look at potentially what is the problem today. And so in my reading or research on that piece, I came across some information that I think gives us a picture on it and it has to do with the level of trust in a relationship today, the level of trust in a relationship. Statistically, it says that 70% of men in marriage or in a dating relationship or an engagement or whatever snoop on their partner's phone. 47% of the women snoop on their partner's phone. Obviously, when you snoop, the partner ain't around, right? You're picking up, you're scrolling through it. And they said that number one reason for that is they are looking to see if you are in another relationship. That's the number one reason. And they say that 50% of the time they find incriminating information. It's not good. And so that gives us sort of this picture, this idea of what is going on out there in the area of adultery or just sexual immorality on the whole. And when we talk about adultery, we're not just talking about the physical act of, hey, outside of my marriage, I had sex with another person. We're talking also about the emotional side of adultery. There are individuals that are in emotional affairs with others in their work, in their neighborhood, at the coffee shop that they frequent, at the gym, whatever it might be. But emotional relationships lead to the sexual relationship typically eventually. But when it comes to adultery as well, it has to do with pornography, it has to do with being on certain websites, it has to do with maybe making certain calls to individuals where you're paying just to talk about sexual stuff. Whatever it might be, fake stuff, whatever. But it's outside of your commitment to your spouse, to the one you're engaged with, to your dating commitment. You know, this is how far we've come to where you can find websites and you can pay a membership monthly and they will help you actually cheat on your spouse. They'll actually help you how to cheat on your spouse and get away with it. 
That's how far we've come. That is where we're at. Hey, hey, woo, let's hear it up. Come on, let's go. Hey, hey, woo, way to go. Breaks the heart. Breaks the heart. That's the problem we have before us. But secondly, what is the biblical word on marriage? I mean, honestly, I don't even have to say it. I don't even have to cover it. Why? Because 90% of Americans believe it's wrong. They already know it's wrong. When we were given birth out of our mother's womb, he built within us this strong sense of right and wrong. And so 90% of Americans already know, even if they have never even touched God's word, the Bible, they know it's wrong. Individuals into pornography and other sites or calls, they know it's built in us. But yet, this is what God's word says. Exodus 20, 14, one of the big 10, 10 commandments. You shall not commit adultery. On the back end of the 10 commandments, the last one is you shall not covet your neighbor's wife. All right? You shall not go after your neighbor's wife. The religious leaders challenged Jesus on the marriage relationship in Matthew 19, and this is what he said. Some Pharisees came to him and to test him, they asked, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any and every reason? Jesus said, haven't you read that at the beginning, the creator made them male and female? And for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and cleave, glue up, settle in with his wife and the two shall become one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no man mess with. Mess with. In Matthew 13, 4, let marriage be held in honor among all. All right? This is the world. All is the world. And let the marriage bed be undefiled, for God will judge the sexually immoral and adulterous. Ephesians 5, 3, but among you there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality or any kind of impurity or of greed because these are improper for God's holy people. And so we're talking about here just not the marriage relationship, but we are talking about the sexual relationship, period, in relationship, that God is saying, listen, let there be no hint of sexual immorality. Sexual immorality is sex outside of the marriage content. So sex and dating, sex and engagement, anything outside of the marriage content. God has created for us, the creator has created for us, the created boundaries to live by so that we can live life to the full, Jesus said. And if we live in those boundaries, it is good, okay? So he's given them to us. Now, I understand that this sin happens. And for those who have experienced this, a spouse or another individual, 
in a dating relationship, engagement relationship, that there's hurt there and there's pain there. And I pray Jesus healing. There are individuals who've made that choice to step into that adulterous relationship or to cheat on the one they're dating to step out of the boundaries God has given us. And we see God's picture of mercy and grace and his extension of forgiveness in those situations in John chapter 8. Jesus is brought before him a woman caught in adultery by the religious leaders. It's always interesting that it's always just the women that they bring, but that was the culture of the day. Women were property. Children were property. And so who knows where the guy that was in the adulterous relationship was. But they brought the woman before Jesus, threw her on the ground and said, Jesus, the law said this woman should be stoned. What are you going to do? And Jesus steps back, scans the crowd, and he says, hey, if any of you is without sin, go ahead. Throw the first stone. Let her have it. And the story says one by one, they walk away. Until it's just Jesus and her. And then Jesus says, where are your accusers? And she says, they, they have left, sir. And then he reaches down and picks her up and says, neither do I accuse you. Man, he just extended to her mercy, forgiveness, grace, love. I mean, she could have literally lost her life right there. But then he says to her this in John 8, 11, Go now and leave your life of sin. Go now and leave your life of sin. Leave it. You were here, repent, now go the other way and go there and stay there. Live within the boundary. I would call out to those who are involved. And that's what I would call out to those who are involved in it this morning. Leave it and go there no more. And so we see the, the problem. We see the biblical word on marriage and what God desires. But I want to bring briefly a solution here this morning. So the challenge is, a man who commits adultery has no sense. Whoever does so destroys himself. How do we keep from that? Proverbs 5.18, may your fountain be blessed, meaning your family, and may you rejoice in the wife of your youth. May you rejoice in the wife of your youth. Regardless of your age, how many years you've been married, rejoice in her. Enjoy her. Enjoy him. We can flip that around. And may you rejoice in the husband of your youth as well, right? And so I want to give you briefly 10 areas of your marriage. Keep us within the boundaries of honoring God and honoring our spouse. Now, during this time of the year, all kinds of people are studying hunting, they're studying, you know, hunting for deer. Pheasant opened yesterday. 
You know, if I would ask you, what are the magazines on your coffee table at home? I can pretty much guarantee that probably none of us have a marriage magazine at home on the coffee table that we are like reading and learning about marriage, including myself. But we have magazines about camping. We have magazines about four-wheeling, about sewing, about crafting, right, that we read and because we want to get more knowledge on. But how often, including myself, do we study our spouse? Or do we study marriage, right? And so here's 10 brief areas that I want you to jot down to focus on. And the first one is Jesus. The best thing you can do for your spouse is meet with Jesus every day. Let him be your personal trainer. He said in John 15, five, hey, I'm the branch, I'm the vine, you're the branches. If a man or woman remains in me and I in them, you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. Jesus says, remain in me. As you remain in me, you'll become more like me, less like yourself. And what spouse wouldn't love Jesus walking through the threshold of their home every day? You'll become less selfish and more selfless and a servant to your spouse. But meet with Jesus. Start there. Secondly, pray together. Be praying for your spouse. Be praying for specific areas of their world and what's going on in their world. Be praying for them. Let them know you pray for them. Number three, avoid emotional affairs. Emotional affairs always start before the physical affairs. And so here's my question. Are you talking to someone else about life stuff? Are you talking to someone else of the opposite sex about life stuff that you should really be only talking to your spouse about? You should be talking to your spouse about these things, but you're talking to this other person of the opposite sex about these things at the gym or the coffee shop or at the cubicle next to you at work or the assembly line in the shop, whatever it might be. And you should be talking to your spouse. That's an emotional affair that you can't wait to talk to them about something or you're texting them outside of being with them. Number four, date your spouse. Date your spouse. Make sure that you have a date night or that you have some dates that you do and let it be more than, hey, let's go to Applebee's. That's a rut. That's a rut. Or, hey, let's watch TV. That's a rut. Do different things. Try something outside of your comfort zone you've never done whatever it might be. Go down to the art museum. They've never been to the art museum. It's just really not us. Well, let it be you. Get out of your, your rut, and you may realize, wow, that was really interesting. That expanded. Whatever it might be, try tennis, rock climbing. What, I mean, just something you haven't done before. Pick up the community ed page. But date your spouse. Five, stop the pornography. Get it off your phone. Get it off your machines. If you have friends that you're around that love sending you pictures, get rid of those friends. Block them. They're not helping you, period. Get rid of them. Set boundaries. You know, in our marriage, we've made the decision from the get-go that we don't watch our movies. That we don't even watch sitcoms during the week, that kind of stuff. Because you don't need to go and find pornography. It's right on the sitcoms. It's soft pornography. What we put ourselves before, we become. 
Did you get that? What we put ourselves before, we become. When you put yourself before a sitcom, you are saying, be my teacher, be my teacher. I will sit here and watch and listen, and whatever you say, I will think that way. So I will think derogatory things against women, against men, against marriage today, against parenting, whatever it might be. What we put ourselves before, we become. That's where I've said often, I don't get how is it, as Christ followers, we can watch CSI movies where women are being raped, are being brutalized, and all that, and we call it entertainment. Doesn't make sense. Set up some boundaries. I mean, that's why these hope groups that we're setting up and that to be with other people are critical. Get with other people who want to go where you want to go in your marriage, in your walk with Jesus. Tell them to hold you accountable. All right? I got to keep rocking here. Number six, be thoughtful. Know your spouse. Study your spouse. Uh, Go online and look up each one of your love language. You know, is it words of affirmation, quality time, receiving gifts, acts of service, physical touch? What is my spouse's love language? And, and do those things for your spouse. Know your spouse. Study your spouse. Number seven, initiate affection. I'm talking about light touch or sharing emotions with one another, being vulnerable with one another and that. And as I go through this list, I'm not saying, hey, man, I'm perfect on all this stuff. <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. And, you know, our marriage is perfect. No, it's not. You know, it's, it's, it's continual work in progress, tensionality. But initiate affection. Rarely in the morning do I leave without kissing my wife or hugging my wife when we see each other at the end of the day, kissing and hugging, coming home. Even if we see each other, hey, at the swim meet or whatever, hey, kiss and hug one another, say, the affection piece is critical. Number eight, have sex regularly. If you're married, have sex regularly. If you're in a dating or an engagement relationship, keep sex for marriage. God designed it that way. He will bless your relationship in that way. Keep it for that. But if you're married, your pastor is telling you to have sex regularly and more often. All right, there it is. And schedule it if you have to. Schedule it. And you're like, what? Schedule it. Yeah, we schedule everything else, don't we? Sometimes in life, because of life, busyness, or certain times of exhaustion or whatever, we should schedule our sexual part of our relationship because it's important, it's critical. God's designed it for marriage. So have sex regularly, it's important. Number nine, talk some, listen always. Talk some, listen always, okay? And men in the room, including myself, boy, we have a long way to go here. But to listen and to pay attention, right? And then 10, share openly your needs. Boy, if you have a need, just tell your spouse. You know, whether you're the male or the female, it's not like we automatically know how to read each other's minds. You know, oh, I know exactly what she wants. No, no. Otherwise, when we gift give, we'd always get it right on the noggin, right? But we don't. It's like, oh, you know, but share openly in your knees. Hey, I need this. Hey, I need that. And by doing that, boy, if you would just do this in the relationship, it would take our relationship from a 60 to an 80 like overnight. If you would just do this, just pick up your socks. You know, I mean, whatever it might be, right? 
just share openly your needs. But 10 areas that we can be intentional when it comes to our relationship in our marriage. Proverbs 6.32, but a man who commits adultery has no sense. Whoever does so destroys himself, not only shrapnel as well all around, destroys others and situations. And what is the solution? The solution is rejoice in the wife or the husband of your youth. Build there. You know, when it comes to the marriage relationship and when it comes to adultery and cheating, so many individuals think, oh, it's a young person's game. But it's not. Honestly, statistically, 60 and older is higher, even into the 80s. It's an everybody's deal. And so we need to pay attention, be intentional. And that's why in a couple weeks we have a marriage retreat. November 1, 2, right here at our Cambridge campus. It's $50. Spend $50 to just continue to grow in your marriage with other couples. I mean, guys or gals, you're going to spend that in some shotgun shells. You know, you're going to spend that as you go out to lunch after this, right? And so learn one another and increase your love for one another. And so this morning, we are going to partake of communion. And I put communion on this day specifically because Jesus says, remember, remember when you take the bread that it's my body broken for you. Remember when you take the cup, it's my blood shed for you for the covering of your sin to make you right with my Father in heaven. But I also want us to remember that Jesus' death and resurrection on the cross is a comprehensive plan. Meaning this, that it's just not for the forgiveness of our sins so that we can be made right with our Father in heaven. No, it's so that we can live rightly, so that we can live holy as our God is holy, so that we can maintain the boundaries of our relationship in our marriage, in our engagement, in our dating, and do what's right. Because he has given us the power. It says in Ephesians 1, the same power that raised him from the dead is the same power that lives in us so that we can live as he's called us to live. And so as you partake this morning, be reminded of what God has put in you to be holy. And be holy in your relationship with your spouse, with your fiance in your dating relationship. And so as you come in a moment, James will release you in the middle of this song. Just grab a wafer, dip it in, partake and pause and say, Jesus, in all areas of my life, help me to be holy as you are holy. Amen.